we carry souls. We, are, as mothers, we are the midwives of souls into this world. The profundity of that is really glossed over in most of our society and culture. Like nobody talks about that. It's an initiation into your priest priestesshood. It's an initiation into your power as a woman with the power of creation held in your womb. This is a really spiritual experience, not just a medical one. And the whole medicalization of childbirth has been a major disservice and it has really disempowered women. I'm actually helping the woman deprogram herself from all of the beliefs that have been placed upon her by society of what's normal and help her to really find her, her innate power where she's energetically sovereign and not letting anybody out there push her around. Welcome to your awakening journey. Today's destinations include higher consciousness and actualized potential. If all ascenders could now please be seated in a comfortable meditative posture, we're about to ascend. You are now arriving at your host, Brian Henry. What is up, Ascenders? You're now listening to The Awakened Podcast, a show in which we dive into some expansive, insightful conversations to assist you and the planetary collective consciousness in ascending to higher expressions of awareness, divine purpose, and infinite potential. This is The Ascending Journey. My name is Brian Henry. I'm the founder of Together We Ascend and The Ascend Academy, over at togetherweascend.com and your host of the show. Ascenders, before we jump into this episode, if you've been following along with the show and you've been enjoying it and been assisted by the content, I ask that you share this episode with three people that you care about to support them in their own ascension journeys. As we know, as each and every individual becomes a fuller expression of themselves in their journey of their personal ascension, this supports the all. And so, so what do you say you support those that you care about and our collective by again, just sharing this episode or this podcast with three people that you care about. Every so often, I'll be in a conversation with an amazing being and the insight that comes through ends up being something that just doesn't feel right keeping to ourselves. What you're about to hear is such a conversation. This was not initially going to be a podcast episode, but when I asked Sarah Grace Knudsen about her purpose and the mission she's serving, the fire, the passion, and the knowledge that she ended up sharing was something I knew others had to feel and hear. Sarah is a woman's empowerment coach with a affinity to supporting soulfully empowered mothers. And what you're about to hear is a wake-up call, a call for mothers to be mothers, to begin reclaiming their sovereignty and reconnecting to their intuitive sense. You see, it's become quite clear to me through this conversation that we currently have systems in place that disconnects mothers from their sense of power and their intuition which, if connected to, can be the greatest source of guidance, I believe, through the child's birth process, as well as long after, into the development of one's child. And Sarah is here to make a very compelling case for the importance here for women to, again, just reclaim their sovereignty and begin to question some of these systems. And so whether you're a mother, a to-be mother, or you and your partner are someday planning to have children, I believe that there's some stuff here that is worth hearing and at least considering. Later into the conversation, we do get into some stuff that I believe can serve us all. Sarah, who's a practitioner in a modality called belief repatterning, which is another technique for helping one uncover and shift their limiting beliefs, walks us through the stages that is involved with this process 
And so this is specifically a part that I believe we can all take something away from. So again, whether you're a man, woman, parent, or to be parent, I do believe that this impromptu episode of Awaken is something to check out. So if you're with us, what do you say we dive in to this conversation that I had with Sarah Grace Knudsen? Tell me about the, um, the the work that you're doing. You said you're is a woman's empowerment coach. The yes, uh, currently yes. I feel like that might be transitioning soon. I'm not sure exactly in what direction. Um, uh, so the technique that I'm a licensed practitioner of is called belief repatterning. And uh, I've been doing that professionally for five years. Um, And that has had definitely an evolution um, in and of itself. Um, So belief repatterning is, uh, it's a technique by which we, we identify the limiting beliefs that a person is um, acting from in their lives and we shift them, we change them. We actually use kinesthetic muscle testing. Um, so we're working more with the body and the innate, the energy body um, and sort of bypassing the mind so that we can have the conversation directly with um, more spirit, soul or body or subconscious mind, but we're kind of keeping this whole frontal cortex out of the story. Um, because if, you know, if our minds could have figured out um, the solutions to the challenges we have in our lives, they would have by now. So, um, so that can be like any level of life belief repatterning can help with any level of life. I've helped people overcome like a Dorito habit um, and uh, just like stop reaching for Doritos and start nurturing their body in a much more holistic way. Um, and I've also helped people move through like deeply, deeply profound spiritual soul level, past life level traumas. And um, so it it really, we can go anywhere with it. And uh, it just depends on the, um, I guess the intuition of the practitioner and the, um, the, the ability of the practitioner to tap into more divine wisdom and less Mm -hmm. sort of just fall. You can also just use the technique to just sort of plug and play just, um, it, uh, we, we do some information gathering with the muscle testing, and then we basically find some words and put them into a series of affirmation statements and do the work that way. And, um, it's really simple, really profound at the same time and, uh, sort of elegant beauty and simplicity with the technique. I really love it. And I've been using it specifically in what I feel my soul calling purpose is, which is to work with mothers um, in stepping out of the limitations of patriarchy and um, the whole way, all the boxes and systems that we've been sort of put into and said, this is how you be a mom. Um, And just like, screw all that, forget all that. That's, that's, is that your truth? I don't think it is. Let's find your truth. Let's find who you want to be as a mom. And let's find you a way to connect yourself with who you really are first so that you can be living from a place of like radiant presence and joy in connection to your truth. And then mother from that place and then be a role model for your children from that place. Um, So that's um, both in the area of empowering mothers uh, to connect with who they are, but also um, I'm very, very drawn to working specifically in childbirth. And uh, so you notice, in, I'm sure that in one of the little um, sort of transmissions that I sent you the other day, the channel transmissions that have poured through me, well, one of them was specifically about pregnancy mm-hmm. and how we carry, we carry souls. We are, as mothers, we are the midwives of souls into this world. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the profundity of that is really glossed over in most of our society and culture. Like nobody talks about that. And um, so I want to be talking about that. And I want to be really connecting women with um, the 
innate power of childbirth and how this is, uh, it's, it's an initiation into your priest, priestesshood. It's an initiation into your power as a woman with the power of creation held in your womb. And um, that this is a really spiritual experience, not just a medical one. And the whole medicalization of childbirth has been a major disservice and it has really disempowered women. And, um, and so there's all of these um, things that are sort of routine and normal um, that your obstetrician will tell you, oh, we just need to do it like this. And they're really putting themselves in the, in the control spot. And I want to turn that around and put women back in their power in childbirth. Um, and there's, there's a whole movement of people who are doing this, who are doulas and midwives and other birth support people. But I want to do it from the belief or patterning side of things where I'm actually helping the woman deprogram herself from all of the beliefs that have been placed upon her by society of what's normal and help her to really find her um, her innate power where she's energetically sovereign and not letting anybody out there push her around. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, both of my childbirth experiences have been from this very powerful place, um, not in hospitals. I've birthed at home in my own living room um, with a midwife. And um, there's no reason why we had to bring any medical people into it. And uh, so um, those are the things the that I'm passionate there are so many answers to that question. <laughs> um, on a very practical level, there are a lot of um, benefits in that. In a medical setting, things like uh, medications and epidurals and inductions are very normalized. And they're just done routinely um, instead of when they're quote unquote needed. And uh, the problem with that is that um, an epidural or anything that cuts the woman's natural pain response off actually cuts off the natural, there's like a feedback loop of the pain arises and then it kicks in a bunch of endorphins mm. that, uh, that alleviate the pain on their own. Um, to a degree, I'm not going to say it goes away completely, but it's needed. The pain is necessary. And so um, developing instead the ability to lean into the pain and sort of like find the pleasure in it um, allows the natural endorphin feedbacks and the natural hormone um, secretions to bring the bliss of childbirth in and most of the women who are birthing in hospitals and getting epidurals and getting, you know, synthetic inductions, they're not having any bliss come along with, mm. it's not a joyous experience. It's still mm. just fucking hurts. Mm. And there's, you know, this team of people who are making all the decisions, but when a woman is able to really, really tap into her own divine wisdom, which is also um, catalyzed by all of those endorphin rushes, it, puts us in a state where we're more connected with not only like our primal nature, but our divine nature. And we're more able to just listen to our bodies and let our bodies move. Our bodies know what to do. And so when we can just have that whole team of people who are trying to tell us how to lie and what to do and all this stuff, when they can just be gone <laughs> or when it can be a team of people who know not to do that. Um, and the woman is just allowed to like, Oh, I feel like, getting in the shower. Okay. Get in the shower. Oh, I feel like, you know, lying upside down off the couch. Well, there's a, probably a really good reason for that. If you feel like hanging upside down off the couch and you don't know why, probably the baby's not quite lined up and that inversion of, um, gravity will allow the baby to rise up a little bit. And then when you stand back up again, be more aligned when it comes back down into the pelvis, right? So there's all these things that our bodies just know how to do naturally. And the medical environment sort of interrupts all of that, mm -hmm. partly with the, with the um, synthetic inductions, um, create a cascade of problems all on their own and end up with cesarean sections that didn't need to happen way too frequently. 
Um, and uh, also the epidural cuts off that feedback loop that provides the natural support that the woman needs in her own right, that your body's gonna do what it needs to do anyway. We don't need all of this pain suppression. And um, also like the, the environment, a woman really needs to be in like almost like a little sacred cave. So when I set up my, um, my birthing area, I put saris over the windows and I put like red Christmas lights around. So the light was really, really low and um, it was just kind of like my own little birthing cave and I had like my own um, really cultivated curated playlist of music that was, some of it was high energy some of it was low energy so it could sort of I just I put it on random and let the Spotify gods um, decide what the next song was but uh, then I could just sort of follow that flow and a lot of that stuff isn't really possible in hospitals and like you can't turn your hospital room into like a private den sanctuary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah sanctuary that's the perfect word um and then with uh here in um alberta i don't know what you guys have in ontario but uh it's like midwifery is fairly well supported here so it's pretty easy to get a midwife and it's covered by our, our health care so um and the midwife culture is one of like you don't ever do anything to alarm the birthing mother you don't ever ever do anything to like shake up her environment at all so um when the second then there needs to be two midwives present for the birth um and when the second one arrives which they don't come until like right before they they don't get the call to arrive until right before when the first midwife is like okay i think she's transitioning and um so when that second midwife comes they do it like completely silently they sneak in they go they wash their hands i guess right now put on masks and um and when they come in i didn't even know the second one had arrived and there's a really good reason for that because um the oxytocin that is needed for um for the birthing to continue and for the cervix to open um and to continue opening and for the woman to continue just opening and opening and opening and trusting and trusting and trusting any sudden change in the environment will trigger um adrenaline instead and adrenaline counteracts the oxytocin so this whole situation where a woman is like oh i think i'm i'm at the point of labor where i could start having this baby any moment so let's hop in a car and speed to the hospital and then be in a clinical waiting room and have all these people rushing me around well that's just adrenaline 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 and that's that's why so many women are like oh i think i'm having this baby and then they go to the hospital and everything stops but now they have an obstetrician there going come on let's speed this along because i have a schedule i've got other appointments to get to <laughs> Right. And so it's just like the two cultures are so completely not opposite, not compatible, not harmonious. And it's starting to change in a lot of hospitals and in a lot of places all over the world. Australia is a very um, pro midwife, pro home natural birth um, place. Britain is as well. Um, a lot of places in Canada are, but the States, uh, -uh. the States is like, um, I feel I, I'm obviously very biased about this, but I feel like archaic at this point in the sort of amount of, I'm going to say patriarchal control that they try to place on the woman to be controlled, the whole birthing process to be controlled by a male doctor who has a schedule to keep and all this stuff. So everything I just said about this birthing process, the, and the, the cult, the, the opposing cultures, you can just pick all of that up and place it over almost any issue of mothering, breastfeeding, how to let your baby sleep. Um, like there's all of these, there's all of this literature that pushes for like the cry it out method um, where, you know, you need to have your baby sleeping through the night by two months old. And the way that you do this is by putting them in a crib and leaving the room. And, um, and like, I just, there's, there's stuff inside me, which is probably ancestral trauma that just screams and rages when I hear about that kind of stuff. And I see, I'm in all of these mother groups on Facebook where women are being berated and belittled by their family if they say, I'm sorry, I can't do this. My everything, in my, everything in me, everything in my intuition and my gut says, 
this is not okay for me to just leave my two month old infants screaming in a room by themselves so that they can sleep through the night. This is just trying to take a human child who is a soul and fit them into a nine to five structure. And like, we just really have to rise out of this. And so that's what my mission is to support women in rising out of all of that, like taking all of this whole beautiful, fluid and sacred process of entering into motherhood. And then the whole first couple of years of life, which is this relationship building with this soul that we just brought into the world and like showing them that this is a safe place, showing them that they're going to be supported. And there's all of this, um, all of these systems that were put in place, frankly, by, you know, 60 years ago or a hundred years ago by men who just wanted all of that flowing to just fit their schedules instead. And, and I mean, it's from the, it's from the same whole culture that coined the term hysterical, which is related specifically to women's, um, reproductive the name of women's reproductive organs the term hysterical a hyster is like womb and so it's basically implying that um that if you have a womb you're crazy and you know when women say oh i can't do this or i need to do this that there's no reason to listen to them that they're just crazy and um so there's a very very strong feminist push and rise of the divine feminine push going on um in a lot of this and uh, uh, I might as well just go into the part where a lot of it started coming clear to me while I was pregnant with my second child. Um, I learned a lot about it while I was pregnant with my first child and going through the, the journey of, of birthing my first child. He's, uh, he's four and a half now and um, his name is Caius and he's my little sunbeam. And um, then when I became pregnant with my second child, who's Finley, and she's my little moonbeam, um, I, everything else that was important in my life just fell away. Everything became about not the physical side of bringing a child into the world, but like the spiritual journey. And also that's when I started having the like screaming rage about the circumstances that birthing mothers are in world over. And just like, we have to change this. We have to empower these women. And it's not gonna happen by trying to change the system. It's gonna happen by helping the women find their power so that they won't play in the system. And that's mm. how we rise out of it. So it's, it's, it's in helping her to understand how to love and honor herself enough to say no in a loving way where we're not like, rebelling against it and trying to tear it all down from a reactive place but we're doing it from a just like empowered loving no this will not fly anymore and um so that's while I was pregnant with Finley is when all of this started coming up for me and like I was running an essential oil business alongside with my belief repatterning practice and I just was like this is not important mm -hmm. I'm this is the direction I have to go now and nothing would have stopped me from just like going this direction. And now and then I had a baby and so things slowed down for sure. But once she was a year old, she was just about to turn two. Once she was a year old, which was right at the same time as um, uh, lockdown was hitting us uh, a year ago, um, I just like all systems go on building my business to facilitate this sort of awakening of women to their inner power. And um, in the realms specifically of motherhood and childbirth. So the evolution there has been, I mean, I sort of rebranded from a belief repatterning practitioner to a women's empowerment coach. And then I started writing the course called The Soulfully Empowered Mother. And that's been, in process for a long time. I also have limited time in my office because I have two small children. So um, I'm still at the part where I'm writing and recording some of the modules for the course. Um, and it's a little bit challenging because I promised so much content inside the course that I'm just like, whoa, how am I gonna fit this all in? 
So like the first week is about how to actually engage in self-care in a way that it works for you and making it so that self-care is like no longer a dirty word for moms because moms are so overwhelmed by the weight of all of the things that are expected of them um, that the thought of self-care usually gets laughed at. They're just like, yeah, yeah, no, that's not happening. There's no way I can take care of myself. And I'm just like, oh, this is such a toxic belief. Like we need to start stop just being complacent about this like oh well I'm too busy there's too much for me to do therefore self-care is, is a joke just like no we have to find it within ourselves to change our lives so that we can put self-care first and then from that place we're actually going to have the energy and the power to take care of all the things but like let go of so much put it on other people learn to delegate find your village like so my whole course is, a, is about um, basically the self-care piece, the self-love piece, the spiritual journey of motherhood, um, finding your village and how to actually align with people who are um, on the same page as you and like stop listening to the people who aren't, even if they're your family, even if they're your parents. At every point in, especially right now, I think as we're ascending, um, every adult child is going to reach a point where they're actually out evolving their parents and we just have to like realize that that's a thing that's going to happen and be okay with it when it does so that when our parents are still trying to put old systems of thought on us we can just go it's okay they're not attacking me they think they love me or they do love me they think that, that what they're saying is right and I know better and I know what's true for me and that's okay and like without all of this relationship traumatic interplay of like my parents have always controlled me and they're still trying to control me and I need to break out of this control and all of this stuff but like to be able to do it with grace and to be able to do it from a place where we feel empowered instead of reactive so whew. so that's what I'm up to <laughs> I might want a copy of this recording <laughs> this recording is going to be seen by others. <laughs> okay. I'm certain of that. <laughs> midway through our conversation, uh, midway through all that you just shared, I'm like, did I just start a impromptu podcast episode? I guess so. <laughs> I love when yeah. that plays out. Um, Sarah, thank you again for just being so aligned that divinity moves through you as you, because everything that I'm feeling from you is what I will use the word passion to describe. And it is of my belief that that's a byproduct of when one is in alignment with their highest purpose. Mm -hmm. I can feel that. I've, thank you. I think I have a knack for her for feeling that from an individual. So again, I just want to commend you for being in such a state of alignment with your purpose, Thank you. <laughs> doing the work that you're doing, because if my reactions and facial expressions didn't share it, um, I just believe so much in what you're doing. Um, Thank you. Thank you. you it means a argument. lot to me to hear <laughs> this because there are days when I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, am I just making this all up? Like there are days the that the doubt creeps in. So the, um, not that I need the affirmation from others, but when it comes, it's very valuable. <laughs> it's welcome. Yeah. <sighs> well, let me just say again, I um, you make a very compelling case um halfway through i also saw myself bringing to my partner hey i think we should get a midwife when you get pregnant <laughs> um so and also one of the things i love about what you've shared is you're you're bringing tangible evidence into it too um the fact that you you incorporated your knowledge around the hormonal aspects and the physiology behind this Oh, um, I've been down all the research rabbit holes you could even imagine on this show. Yes, thank you. you. <laughs> so important because there's a lot of people, I, I think we kind of alluded to this earlier, kind of when you were talking about the experience that you had with the, the men's coach. Um, 
there might be some people that aren't ready for the the spiritual um mm-hmm. jargon the spiritual side mm-hmm. of speaking to this which i'm sure there's just so much that you can say from that lens as well yes yeah but there's definitely the both sides to, that's going to get to a lot of people um I, I i find it hard to believe that a pregnant mother can hear this and not like at least consider it um so you're doing a great job of not only are you doing great work but you're doing a great job at the work you're doing thank you very very much <laughs> So the next step for me is just getting people into my course. <laughs> so it's it's technically live. Um, I, it's it's open for people to uh, join. I just haven't really done an official launch yet where where I'm calling everyone in. So um, but that time is basically now. Um, that time is is I'm I'm just at the point where I'm like, okay, how do I do that? Because I mean, you mentioned my passion. Um, about what I'm doing. And I fully know that that is there and that I'm fully aligned with what I'm doing. But then there's this piece of the puzzle where everybody who has this passion and a message to get to the world and important work to do also has to be like an online marketing expert at this point. So, um, so I'm kind of in a, like, what's my next step on a strategy level state right now? Like mm-hmm. I'm fully soul aligned. And I think actually this is where the breadcrumbs come in because I maybe don't have to figure that out with my mind. Um, I maybe just follow the breadcrumbs and, um, and let them, because spirit knows, mm-hmm. spirit knows what'll get my message into the right hands. So then mm-hmm. I just get to practice opening to spirit and listening to those messages. So that's what I've been doing all week. And here we are. <laughs> It's gotten yeah. you this far. Uh-huh. It Why has. change the approach now? Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Well, I think this is actually is me changing my approach because I've um uh because I have already put in a lot of the sort of you know getting my sales page set up and getting, you know, all of the more practical pieces in place. Um and uh now when it comes to the like okay how do i get it out there part i'm just sort of feeling like letting go and following the wind is um and 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 jumping when there's an impulse to jump but not putting my head in the picture keeping Mm. my head out of it following my heart having faith Um, yeah the leap of faith the leap of faith every day (laughs) not just one big leap of faith but like in each awesome. moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's, um, so that's my practice right now. And again, I'm just so confident it's the, the way to go about this. Um, Thank you. It, again, you might not need the confirmation, but I'm going to act the perfect <laughs> mirror right now. Um, I, I truly, truly believe that if you, well, I, I believe that there's only one way that this plays out. Um, and no matter how much you resist or struggle in the process of it, it's going, it's going in one direction and it's going to work because spirit knows and spirit always comes through. Now, what we can say is how much of a sense of effortlessness are you going to allow yourself through that process? Mm, Thank you. Yeah. You feel that? And that's when you, you just set into that that sense of trust. Yeah, that's the shift for me right now. I I totally feel that that's the shift for me right now is to to shift out of that old system of of efforting, of trying, of trying to make it happen, right? And shift into just trust and allowing and faith and um serendipity that's one of my favorite words yeah yeah it's gonna get to the people that could benefit from it uh everything about the energy tells me tells me so and thank you the more you you stay aligned with that that sense of passion and you you emanate that it will be that attractive vibration that that brings people to you 
mm -hmm. the content. Yeah, I was listening to um, uh, a video from a summit I've been sort of paying attention to for the last couple of days. Um, and a beautiful reminder was dropped that your heart is a magnet. Like mm. literally your heart is a magnet, but it can't magnetize if you've got walls up. And so the only real job any of us have is to pull down the walls. I, I tried to really use my um, language consciously there and not say tear down the walls, but mm. like, because that is more effort, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 There, it's navigating the words we speak and just kind of re mm -hmm. re um reprogramming ourselves ultimately to, to that's what i that. do <laughs> that's where it all came from i learned how to reprogram ourselves <laughs> it's it's important it's very mm -hmm. important the word is creative it is so creative yeah yeah and that just reminded me actually of another um really juicy tidbit i heard from uh someone a few months ago and um she said it's time to shift out of healing and into creation and through the process of creation the healing will occur but right now so many people have their focus on i have to heal i have to heal mm. i have to heal and she said rise a step above that start focusing on creation and the healing will happen naturally organically by the process of creation and uh so that's a really um important one to remember as well yeah i um i've certainly seen that play out in well in the work that i do um mm -hmm. see it's interesting because while i do say that um the the intention of growing better in ourselves becoming greater versions of ourselves um is is a great intention uh, we have to really recognize what is underlying that because that can have a way of perpetuating this idea that I'm not enough or there's something yeah, wrong with yeah. me that needs to be Healing because I'm broken as opposed to bettering myself because it's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. Two <laughs> yeah. completely different approaches. Very much. Where, yeah. uh, it might look the same on the surface, but what's the what's the underlying feeling beneath that? Mm -hmm. so yeah. That's why I say and with healing, I, I don't think it's something to to set aside time to do it's something that takes place as it comes up yes as it comes up then you address it with acceptance yeah. with love but i think a lot of people get stuck in this idea that i have something in me that needs to be healed and they go looking for it and then mm -hmm. almost exacerbate it yeah mentally. yeah that's one of the reasons why what what i do is so much different than like the traditional sort of like psychologist therapy techniques because um because we really don't go into story. We mm. pay attention to the feelings that come up, but we don't do any of this, like, when was the first time you felt that way? Can you tell me about it? Who was involved? Like all of this story stuff, because um, that can really be re-traumatizing. And I mean, absolute blessings to everybody who's working in, in like traditional psychology and therapy because they're doing an amazing thing as well. Um, but this is, I'm just saying, one very big difference between that technique and the technique that I use because we don't go into story we'll feel the feeling we acknowledge the feeling we acknowledge mm -hmm. that we're perfectly allowed to have this feeling and then we also acknowledge that we really don't want to hang out here for very much longer because it's not serving us and um, then we go through the technique of like well what do I want instead and there's no like sweeping it under the rug either we're not just going oh well that feels bad so I'm trying to get rid of it there's there's none of that it's just like okay let's sit with this for a second allow the feeling to move through your body because it's there because it never got processed but don't go back into the story it's very much like going back into the story actually reinforces the feeling mm -hmm. whereas just allowing the actual emotion to move through and then choose where am i going to rise into from here and then the 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 reinforcing work is in the where am i rising to so if somebody has been really in a place of like inability to love themselves or like self-loathing or self-hate um we're absolutely going to honor that but we're definitely going to do the real reinforcing work to help them start to see their innate worthiness and that you know we are love at the very core of who we are so 
it doesn't even actually make sense to hate ourselves because how can we hate love? And um, so, so really the focus is on what can I do to expand more into the love that I already am? So. Mm. It's a focus upon the positive where we're headed opposed to playing in the shadows. Yeah, but without bypassing the shadow because I mean, it's there, it. it's there for yeah. a reason. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we really, we do have to, um, we do have to bring it in. But then instead of saying, you're the shadow, go away. It's like, mm -hmm. hey, who is that playing in the shadows over there? Come on over here. I love you. Let's, let's, let's shine the light on everything so that what's in the shadows doesn't have to be in the shadows anymore. It's a, uh, it's a message that's actually popped up for me, like, multiple times in these last couple of weeks the um again i, I think thank you for um because i have to say that this is going to be heard by others so thank <laughs> you for sending those blessings out to to all those that are taking on a different approach but personally i have to say that a message that has been setting in and i'm feeling a sense of resonance around is the talk therapy uh, might not be the the most effective approach and really dropping into the body into the feeling body um, I feel like from personal experience I'll say I'm, I'm, I'm finding um, great benefit in, in making that the focus and even in those that I'm working with as well um, the idea that we have to play around in the mind it's almost like the mind's trying to fix the mind but right how far is that really going to get you yeah, it's a bit of a hamster wheel. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting to see these, um, all these different modalities that are, are taking a similar approach and um, bringing, bringing great benefit to people's lives. I've never heard of this one, belief repatterning. And you said I, you, studied, you first learned about it five years ago. Oh, I first learned about it more like 25 years ago. Um, wow, so battle. belief repatterning uh is at least 30 years old um because i've been friends family friends with the developer of belief repatterning uh since i was 16. my parents are friends with her and um, i actually lived with her for a little while when i was 16 because my parents were musicians are musicians and they were going on tour and um they needed somewhere for me to stay so i stayed with suze so the developer is named suze casey she lives in calgary um, and she developed belief repatterning actually as a way to get herself well. Um, and at the time that she developed it, she had no intention of like sharing it with the world. It, it, she was just, she had basically her entire education was about how the mind learns new things. And she got very ill for quite a number of years and she knew that illness comes from your belief systems and that in order to get well she needed to change her beliefs but Wait, she so this couldn't... is 25 years ago that this yeah. woman was operating yeah. from this perspective Th 30 years ago is when she 30 years ago and... yeah um and because she she had followed she was already very much into all the spirituality stuff and uh um she followed louise hay so like all the stuff about positivity but she kind of found some issues with just the basic affirmations because louise hay creates these affirmations where you say, you know, stand in the mirror and say, you know, I, I am beautiful beyond all measure. But if you don't actually like what you're looking at, then you say that and all these monkeys in your head go, yeah, right. Yeah, no, mm. good luck with that. You're so not beautiful. And then what gets affirmed? The I am beautiful beyond measure yeah, or the place. yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. This, the second thing is what gets affirmed. So what Suze did was with her knowledge of um, the way that our minds actually learn because she has a master's in curriculum design and she's been a teacher for her whole life. Um, she took the steps of learning and applied them to the affirmations. So she said, well, how about if instead of trying to go all the way from, you know, zero to 100%, if we take baby steps along the way? And so we changed the belief just a little bit at a time, but it actually ends up happening quite quickly. Um, so it's like an, an acknowledgement stage of like, this is where I am. And then a forgiveness stage of like, 
I forgive myself for believing that I have to keep on believing this, that, that the way things were yesterday is the way they have to continue today. And I mean, our, our brains are wired to want to continue things the same way they were yesterday because yesterday we didn't die. And so our survival mechanism doesn't want us to change anything, but with the very baby step process of belief repatterning, um, then we sort of have conversations with the part of our mind that doesn't want us to change. And if anybody pops up and says, whoa, 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 no, no, this isn't safe. We go, it's okay. It's okay. Thank you for keeping me alive. But you know what? I'm giving you the day off. I've got this now. I'm the one driving the truck, okay? I don't know why I said truck. Maybe because I live in Alberta, but. Um, and uh, so then, then we shift from there into like a permission stage. I give myself permission to expand into growth instead of staying limited, right? And then we shift into a choice stage. You know, previously in my life, I was limited and I have the choice now to move into growth. I consciously choose growth from this point forward. And then into a freedom stage where we start playing with it. I'm free to experience growth today when I drive to the grocery store. You know, I'm free to experience growth. And we're just, we're planting seeds in our own subconscious mind. And then because I said that out loud, I'm free to experience growth when I go to the grocery store. I get in my car to go to the grocery store and my subconscious mind is going to go, oh, hey, I'm growing. Like we've planted the seeds. And then um, a, a, an, an affirmation stage, which is, um, where in my life have I experienced growth before? So this is addressing any monkey mind that says, but I don't know how to do this. Um, and so I'll just think about, you know, I experienced growth when I applied to go to university at Grantington College. I experienced growth that day. So any part of my mind that's gonna try to tell me you don't know how to do growth, I mean, yeah, I do. I did it when I applied for university. There, there we go. And um, then finally the surrender stage, which is like, I surrender to the knowledge that I am a growing individual, that I'm a growing human, that I'm a growing soul, right? Mm. And then the gratitude stage is the final one, which is finding gratitude for all kinds of things. <laughs> Actually, I, I can be grateful to the situation that made me feel like I needed to do some repatterning. Like even if it was something really bad and icky, um, I can go, well, I'm grateful to that because you know what it did? It pointed me in the direction of who I really am, mm -hmm. which is somebody who's experiencing growth and, mm -hmm. or I'm grateful for, um, myself for all of the times in my life that I have experienced growth before. And so using all of these different statements, which are always tailored to the individual, um, and the situation and, um, we actually release the old, dissolve the old programs and replace them with new ones in a way that's really lasting and meaningful. And again, like I said before, it can apply to any level of life from eating Doritos to like deep soul level work and like letting go of past life traumas that are creating issues now. And yeah, like we can go anywhere. And these stages take place in just a session or is this like a... Yeah just in a session. We can go through that. If I, if we have a 45 minute session, um, we can go through the process on three or four different issues. It's crazy how quickly change can really so take fast. place. So fast. Yeah. So fast. And like immediate results. Um, and I mean, and with levels, obviously mm -hmm. it's not like mm -hmm. that issue is a hundred percent gone immediately. Um, it's gone at a level. Um, and then as long as your life keeps going along at that level, you'll be good. And then if something happens that triggers you a little deeper, you, you might end up going and doing that repatterning again at a slightly deeper level. And it's, you know, it's just progressive and progressive or else sometimes we draw a spiral and, you know, life keeps spiraling out and spiraling out. And, you know, you might have an issue that's a line that goes all the way through the spiral. And every time you come to that line, it might come up again but it means you've up leveled. It means you're hitting it at a deeper level. So anytime somebody goes, I thought I dealt with this already. I go celebrate you're up leveling because mm -hmm. <laughs> you you're, have dealt with it, but you dealt it with it different... at a shallower level and now we're going deeper. Yeah. yeah I envision the, the upward spiral. Yeah. It yeah. happens in cycles. Um, it's crazy because a lot of what we're speaking to um, relates back to a call I just had earlier today. Um, the uh the person i was speaking to is an expert on the the dream spell the mind calendar and mm -hmm. um getting in tune with 
with cycles and the cyclical nature of the lessons that we learn even when you spoke about you becoming in tune with your your lunar cycles i'm like oh just just speaking to someone about this um it's a very valuable and um insightful way to approach the lessons that we're learning understanding that yeah they may come in cycles but we each and every time we approach it do so from a, a higher perspective from a with, new place yeah yeah, yeah. Then there's also the notion that we'll continue to experience those patterns until we fully resolve with it. What do you feel about that? I don't know if I have a specific thought or a specific decision about my belief with that, because like, I do think that we're never really done. Um, and I mean, until we're all like eighth dimensional light beings who have maybe at that point, transitioned out of human bodies like um but you know that's not anytime soon and um so i think that i don't know if i can say there's an ultimate resolution or not mm -hmm. to a specific issue i i especially as long as there's things like archetypes and like specific wounding that seems to be across um, like everybody that fits that sort of type of being. Um, and even when we have resolved it very, very well for ourselves, being empathic beings and probably as we ascend and evolve, moving more into like telepathic beings. Um, I think that even if I've resolved something very, very well for myself, I don't know if it'll ever be 100% done, but it does make me more sensitive to if that issue is coming up in someone who's in my environment. Mm -hmm. So if I have, just to give it a, a, a more tangible example of that, um, if I had abandonment stuff and I've you know done a, gone a long way in resolving the abandonment stuff, but then my partner's abandonment stuff comes up that, I'll be, I'll have more of a propensity to feeling that still. Mm -hmm. um, I might be better at knowing it's not mine, <laughs> but uh, because that happens a lot with me too, where something comes up and I'm like, I don't even know if this feeling's mine or not. Like I do all kinds of muscle testing to sort of sort that out and let things go um, that I've, I've come to understand at this point that I don't have to do other people's work for them. <laughs> and um, even if I tend to take it on that, and I don't know where that tendency came from. I don't know if it's part of my, my purpose or my mission, or if it's just something that I developed over years and years and years as an old soul on the planet, um, or if it's something that I was forced to do in a different lifetime. Like, I don't know. I don't know where it came from, but there it is. I take on other people's stuff. And mm -hmm. so I just get to learn how to navigate that from here and now where I am and with the wisdom and knowledge that I have. And um, it took a long time for me to really get it at a core level that it's not my responsibility because I still felt like, but what if it is my responsibility because I'm here to help the world. I'm here mm. to help the world rise up. But I realized that I can't do that if I'm spinning out. I can't do that if I'm, if I'm knocked off my center by somebody else's stuff. And so, um, letting go of the elements of it that aren't mine, sending it either lovingly sending it either back to where it came from or to the universe or to Gaia to transmute it into higher love and light. And so that I am in my energetic sovereignty and then, then do the work from that place. Right. And um, whether, but it's not me doing the work of alchemizing someone else's energy. I can then, once I'm in my energetic sovereignty, and I guess this is more of my role as a light worker and not a coach, but um, I can then uh, do it on behalf of the collective or do it on behalf of myself, knowing that as I raise my own vibration, it brings up everyone else's it's sort of like, as the water rises, all the ships rise. And um, so that was a really nuanced difference for me to get as um, as a light worker in the world and as an empath who knows, I mean, I've known for quite a while that I'm in some, I'm, I'm here to help, whatever that means. It took a long time to sort of start getting the the details of that sorted out. But um, 
what is that helping look like and how can I do it in a way that's not martyring myself? Mm -hmm. And which again, that's another major theme in the mothering. We'll just bring it back full circle here. Um, is the whole martyr pattern seems to be rampant in mothers and I think women in general. And more than that, I mean, it's not just women and, and um, mothers who end up falling into that, but this whole like concept that um, I have to put other people's needs ahead of my own. No, 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 no. I have to meet my own needs first because that's what puts me in a place where I'm powerful enough to help them. So instead of saying, I need to help them, like I need to help me so that I can help them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the, the way that that will translate in the relationship that the mother has with their child even, right? Yes, like, yes. Yes. And I mean, that this plays into mom guilt because um, so many mothers feel guilt if they're like, sorry, sweetie, I can't give you this mm -hmm. right now because I have to go do this for me. Um, but my message is that's the most important thing I can say to my kids sometimes mm. like mommy has to take care of mommy so that mommy can be a good mommy for you <laughs> and I just flat out say to my kids sometimes if I don't take care of me first it's not going to look good <laughs> it's not going to be fun because that's when I slip into sort of more overwhelm and chaos and maybe even mm -hmm. yelling and um, I mean, I wish I could say I have never yelled, but um, I would be absolutely lying. It's definitely happened. And I've definitely gone through all of the sort of like guilt over that and like, oh my God, I messed up my kid. And like, and we all, this is something I can say all mothers experience. I would, if you can show me one who hasn't, I will, I don't know what I'll do, but um, we, tend to have this sense that it's not okay to put ourselves first and that we're doing a disservice to the children somehow by taking care of ourselves and or by like scheduling a time outside the house to like go be with friends or go for a walk alone or you know have a bath or whatever it might be that is our our self-care and um, so many moms don't end up being able to have that be real self-care because they spend the whole time feeling guilty. So it's just dragging them down and dragging them down. So those are the types of beliefs that I'm addressing in the course of, um, of like that, that I need to feel guilty if I put myself first. And, mm -hmm. um, and the bottom line is so many of us haven't experienced it, but I have started to experience it. And I might even still only be at the beginning of it that when I really do put my own needs first 100% and organize my life so that somebody else is there to watch the kids while I go and do this and uh, whatever this might be. And when I can really get present with whatever it is I'm doing to take care of myself, I don't have to spend more time in self-care. I just maximize the time I'm spending in self-care so that it's got way more bang for its buck. And I do that by being absolutely fully present with what it is that I'm doing on a soul mm -hmm. level like just mm -hmm. you know and so if it's I'm going outside for three minutes to like put my toes in the grass I be with the grass I don't sit there and wiggle my toes in the grass and wonder how the kids are doing I be with nature with myself with my soul with my connection to Gaia in that moment three minutes three minutes can turn the whole day around if we can be present in that three minutes. And so it's not about like, oh, I now have to spend seven hours doing self-care. It's like, no, just be present with mm -hmm. whatever you're doing. And then when, when you're with your kids, don't be trying to work on your side business, be with, with your kids. And when you're working on your side business, just be with it for short amounts of time, right? And I'm, that really, for me, has been the key to actually succeeding with all of this stuff. Um, just whatever you're doing be fully and, in it yeah. yeah see and again i think the big message there is that bringing that a degree of presence to your self-care and your time for yourself is going to support you in having more time for your kids exactly mm -hmm. having more time with them and having higher quality time as yes. you're more present with them yes yeah. So that's actually one of the big things. Uh, we are going to have to start to wrap things up soon. Yeah, um, the, I understand. Yeah, um, <laughs> the, uh, the big things that I I love about what you're doing, and I'm seeing uh, 
why there's such an importance for it is um, not just the way that this is going to support the mother, but also the development of the child. Yes, and therefore the entire planet. Like, this is my contribution to the evolution of humanity. Well, Sanders, that is going to be all for this conversation that I had with Sarah, this impromptu podcast episode. I hope that the experience, the knowledge, the insight that she shared is able to inspire at least a few to reclaim their sovereignty, reconnect to their intuitive sense, and become a soulfully empowered mother. So if you are a mother to be mother, someday maybe going to be a mother and this was able to inspire you and you believe this is important information i'm going to put that request out one more time please do share this episode with three individuals that you care about three loved ones that you believe will be assisted by supported by this content anyways the senders that is going to be it for this episode of the awaken podcast i want to thank you for watching and until next time keep ascending